Well, I was thinking about what to talk about this morning, and, and so I wanted to bring something up in the Word today that, you know, God is dealing with everybody on consistently because it's so frequent in the Scriptures. You know, every day we have an opportunity in our lives to get something done, to be nice to people, to invest in our families, to grow in our callings, to grow in our giftings. But one of the things that we don't often think about, even scripturally, about having an opportunity to do every day And that's an opportunity not to worry. We have an opportunity every day, several times a day, not to worry, not to have anxiety, to live a life without the weight of cares because we have decided to give it to God. The fact of life is that most of the time, or much of the time, we are dealing with cares. Stuff happens, life happens. I'm saying it politely, but you know the saying, stuff happens in life. And constantly our minds are being spun into whirlwinds. Scenarios are constantly playing out in our minds, thinking things, overthinking things, creating negative whirlwinds in our mind. Lengthy conversations take place in our own heads and where we think or where our minds want us to go. And because of this, people often turn to other things. The the, the origin of that is like care and worry and anxiety and stuff and stuff that happens in life. And people often turn to other things. They drown their sorrows in alcohol, numb their nerves with whatever, distract themselves with other things. We often do that, distract. We emotionally eat to feel temporarily good. I've been in that camp far too many times. Now that I'm on strict keto again the last few weeks, it's like I'm still making my trips to the refrigerator and just staring in there, closing it again. Christmas kind of got me for a couple months. I'd been pretty good for a year straight, actually. But that is not the desire that God has for our lives. He is constantly telling us in the Scriptures not to worry, not to have anxiety, and not to be in fear. Over 50 times in the New Testament, it is spoken about not to worry, not to have anxiety, and not to fear. It is part of our calling. That's what we're supposed to walk in. We are not to have anxiety. We're not to walk in fear, and we are not to worry. Over and over, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. So when we think about advancing the kingdom and advancing our lives, one of the areas that we don't think about a lot is that we have an opportunity every moment of every day to not worry to not have anxiety, to not have our minds spin out of control. And he constantly tells us not to. And there's a reason why he tells us not to. Now, I mean, there's several reasons why he tells us not to. Just the productivity of the kingdom of God is is one of them. But the reason why he doesn't want us to worry, one one of the wonderful reasons that he doesn't want us to worry is because he cares for us. He cares for us. And it's a little bigger than what you're thinking. Oh, he just has a nice feeling towards us. No, he cares for us. He takes care of us. And if he takes care of us, that's why we are not supposed to worry. Worry is not a fun thing. It does damage to ourselves, to other people. Matter of fact, I was just reading some literature in my notes a little while ago. It says that migraine headaches, muscle tension, heart attacks, high blood pressure, many types of cancer insomnia, ulcers, arthritis have all been medically and proven to be linked to anxiety. 
So one of the things over the last couple of years that, you know, people probably haven't thought about enough is the fact that just being in this chaos adds worry, adds anxiety on what's next, what's going to happen. Anxiety is us worrying about the next thing. And so you can imagine just even the health problems that have taken place that are bad or probably even worse than COVID. Proverbs 12, 25 says this, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Bible tells us where it comes from where depression comes from. Where does depression come from? Anxiety in the heart of man. He's the best physician. He's the doctor. And he tells us that where depression comes from, it comes from anxiety in the heart of man. But a good word makes it glad. Now, I'm not against all sorts of counsel and different things, but it's like, it's like everything. It's like we often reach for the aspirin before we ever even talk to God about the headache. I'm not saying we shouldn't reach for the aspirin. I'm saying we should be talking to God about the headache. Right? First and foremost. And so that's what he says about anxiety. The first things that we should be doing is going to him. And what does he say? A good word. Whether it's from a friend that can bring that to somebody or even about ourselves, speaking over ourselves and looking in the mirror and speaking to ourselves and saying, you are not a worrisome, depressed creature. You belong to God. And we don't have to be worried and we don't have to live in fear and we don't have to have anxiety. Why? Because he's the one caring for us. He's the one caring for us. And so he loves us. He cares for us. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 18, it says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Depression's from anxiety. Us feeling tormented is from fear. When we're feeling tormented and we're going through life and we're feeling like we're being tormented for whatever reason, you know, because of what's going to happen next week or next month or next year, fear creates torment, involves torment. I don't like being tormented. I don't. At any level, and I'm not just talking about some demonic torment. I'm just talking about any level. I just hate things chasing me throughout the day that I'm worried about. And they're just like getting on me. Sometimes I just feel tormented by the stuff I got to get done or the, or the people that I might affect or who doesn't like my opinion or whatever it may be. And you start to get tormented. But fear is the one that causes that. And what cures that? Perfect love. Christ, God himself. And so God wants us to walk in that kind of lifestyle. And so the solution to this lies in a couple of things. First of all, what I just mentioned, first of all in the solution to deal with this and, and to, to not walk around with this is to understand truthfully how much he cares for us. Matthew 6, 25 to 33, it's a very familiar scripture, but let's look at it. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Just even that creates worry, like jobs and what we're going to have and paying the rent and all this kind of stuff. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And the question's hypothetical. Of course you are more valuable. Which of you worrying can add one cubit to its stature, one inch to your height? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things, the Gentiles, the heathen seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. Famous scripture, but still as powerful today as it was when it was written. It's saying, listen, I don't think you understand how much God loves you and how much he cares about you. And he gives a couple of examples, the birds and then the lilies. And uh, there was one time several years back, I took a lily, a blown up picture of a lily, and I put it on my computer and it was blown up and just uh, the, the, the whole inside of the flower. And I just put it there so I could just look at it for days and study the details. And every day I was more amazed how absolutely awesome this lily was. And as I looked at it, I thought, my goodness, how could this be created? You know, like, how could anybody think that a human, that evolution or anything, that this could have happened? Like, this is a creation that is so gorgeous. The more you stare at it, the more you are absolutely in awe. And as I did day after day after day, thinking this lily is the most amazing thing I think I've ever seen. What, what a piece of, piece of art. It just kept coming back to me, the scripture. How much more does God think of us? How much greater is a human design who is in the image and the likeness of God? And so why are we not to worry? God is just saying, listen, I take care of creation and I will take much better care of you. I think much more of you. And he said, even Solomon, who was the richest man who ever walked the earth, he says, even Solomon and all his clothing, all his glory, everything that he had was not arrayed like one of these lilies. And he says, how much more do I care about you? How much more? And that's a reality, a revelation that we need to get. A revelation that we need to get. If we understand how much God absolutely loves us and takes care of us, it will deal with most of, the, most of the situations of worry and anxiety and fear that come into our lives. Why? Because we just go back to the one who created the universe. He's like, thinks greater, puts more honor on us than he does any other part of his creation. That is so cool to me. So cool. Philippians 4, 6 says it this way. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And that just sits into what I said. We're supposed to be anxious for nothing. Why? Because we have the opportunity to pray and request to God who loves us more than the lily and the animals. That we belong to him, made in his image, in his likeness. And so we need revelation, not just head knowledge on this. We need revelation that when our life isn't going well and our mind's not going well, that there is the creator of the universe that is so into us. That is absolutely, I was going to say in love with us. I don't even know if that's the proper word. I don't know. It's hard to come up with a word. That's how much he loves us. Agape, I guess, is the word if we go to the Greek, right? So he cares for us. That's the first thing that we need to understand no matter what we're going through. God cares for us. Cares for us. Abundantly cares for us. And then secondly, because he cares for us, God has a plan for our lives. He's got a plan for our lives. We don't have to walk aimlessly through this world. I mean, we do and we wonder what the plan is and stuff, but the fact is God's got a plan for our lives. He has a plan. 
Psalm 139, at the end of it, says that before we were born, he knew us. That we were knit together wonderfully, perfectly and wonderfully made in our mother's womb. And the Bible says that before we were born, the days that were fashioned for us were already written in a book. Isn't that crazy to think that the rest of our days are already written down? Everything that we are going to do from now on, they're just written down. Now, I'm not sure the bad parts are written down because they're not his will. I don't know. I don't even know how that works. I just know it's wild to think that the rest of our days, and if they are written down, they're covered already because Jesus took the sins of, of, of the world. But the rest of our days are written in a book. And so when we think about, oh, I wonder if he thinks about us, he wrote about you. And he wrote the start and the ending to our story. We often talk about the word of God and how people say, oh, it's 2022, things should change and all this stuff on family structure and all this kind of stuff. And I always say, listen, God wrote the last book already. It's not like there was this book and then we're thinking, is there more to come for 2022? No, he wrote everything we need to know and then wrote the last book to say, listen, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what works then is going to work now and will work forever. Will work forever. But he's already wrote about us. That's so wild for me to think. And, and, and the way I like to think about it is, I had a crazy lifestyle before I came to Christ. And I think he still called me. And in that moment, the overwhelming love, the overwhelming forgiveness that I felt, because the feeling was true and lined up with the word, because he does, he loves us and forgives us. And so when I mess up in life now, I just think if he took me back then, he got no issues taking me tomorrow if I mess up with what I mess up today. Right? I always think about that. My goodness. He took me and called me knowing I was going to screw up. And he still took me. It's such comfort in that. Realize that he's the start and the finish. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. What he's begun in us, he will complete until the day of Jesus Christ. And so when he took you, the fool that you were, he took you knowing you'd still be a foolish in the days to come. He just doesn't call you a fool anymore. He calls you his righteousness. Oh, he's just so good. And so he's got a plan for our lives. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of the very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Why do we not have to worry about what's going to happen and all this kind of stuff? And oh my goodness, if this thing goes wrong, it really doesn't matter. God's written the whole book. He's written he knows the beginning from the end. He knows your future before we ever walk into it. And so why should we be afraid of something he's already written for us? Isn't that cool? God has a plan for our life. No one thing or anyone can stop the plan of God for your life. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. That's why, you know, the wonderful thing about it is our flesh always wants to scrape to the top and it always wants to scrape to make money and it always wants to scrape to climb the ladder and it always wants to scrape for relationships and it always wants to scrape and just fight our way into a situation. But that's the opposite of how God tells us to walk. And so oftentimes it ends up in disaster when we start to do that. Because the Bible says if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and what does that mean? It just means submitting in faith to knowing that, that God is true, that Jesus is Lord, but also that his word is perfect and true. And that if we follow his ways and humble ourselves to how we're supposed to walk in the word, whether it's money, finance, sexuality, marriage, uh, parenting, whatever it is, if we humble ourselves to that, in due time he will exalt us. 
And I love that because it says he will exalt us, which means when God gets ready to promote somebody, there's not a devil in hell that can stop that. Not a devil in hell that can stop that. So I, my mission in life is just, well, man, and I know I don't do it lots. There's tons of times where I'm, you know, even unaware, not humbling myself to the word of God and circling a mountain. But the Bible says, when you humble yourself to that, God will exalt you. It doesn't mean necessarily being exalted in all earthly stuff. There is some to it because God shows us that if we work in earthly principles, we will be exalted in certain earthly principles. But it's just talking about an overwhelming growth in the kingdom of God, an awareness, a revelation in Christ. He has a plan for our lives. And that's the wonderful thing about God's design. The thing is, we want to fight the word of God because the flesh and the fallen world, some, you know, it's always in temptation. But when we really come to the understanding is, if God made us and then shows us in the book how he made us and how we're supposed to walk that out, it's just crazy for us to fight with that because he's the designer. And so like, you know, I know how he says it in the word. He's like, who is the pot to tell the potter what to do? Who is the pot to tell the potter who he is, right? And so that's our struggle in life, right? So we want to fight against the word of God. Well, this says, this says, and psychology says this, and this, and this, and this, and that, but God, right? And so if we fight that, we're fighting the designer. And if God designed us to function a certain way, it's like trying to put diesel in a gas car or gas into a diesel. It wasn't designed for that, right? And that's for us. You guys are laughing because you've probably done that, haven't you? few people laugh, and I did that once. So does I as a kid, but I won't tell you what I was doing to do it. I didn't have enough money to buy the gas, and so I was doing a little siphon and <laughs> the wrong one. So I told you anyways. Um, there's something cool that we do every year. I usually do it in January, but we got on some other topics. There's something that we do every year called the prayer of consecration in the Bible. And we just, out of faith, cast our cares onto the Lord. Psalm 37.5 says this, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That word, commit your way to the Lord, literally means to roll it off onto him. Just to like, roll it off onto him. Matthew 11.28 and 30 says this, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. First Peter, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. We're going to do a little thing symbolically here this morning. I'm going to give you all a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil. And I know we don't have all day to list all your problems. So you can be generalized or you can take a couple of the big ones that you just have trouble rolling off. But we're going to write on a piece of paper. No one's going to look at these. You're going to crumple it up. And then when I say go, we're going to chuck this, all your papers up to the altar. No one will look at them. We'll gather them up. We'll put them in the garbage. And it's symbolic of they will never be seen again. We're going to cast our cares onto the Lord. Now that casting all your cares, one of the Greek scholars that I follow says that it literally means casting never again to pick it back up. Now, I know we do this every year and, you know, it's like, okay, well, if it's forever, you know what, sometimes we just need to remind ourselves some of the things that we've done. So if you have same problems that you're dealing with, well, maybe you didn't cast it off the first time. But we're going to do this this morning. We're going to cast all our cares upon him for he cares for you. 
And so you guys hand those out already? And pencils and pens? So I just want you to take a minute or two and just write, like I said, what you want on there. What you never want to pick up again. You can do it in code, whatever you want, but I'm telling you, no one will look at these things. They're going to go to the garbage. Johnny, you got one? Or D or somebody who's there got one for me? I know I'm, I'm the pastor, but I warn you, I probably got more than you do. <laughs> Thank you. It's funny how life changes, eh? What you put down maybe this year that you didn't a few years ago. Look at the world differently. Okay, I don't want you to fold it. I want you to literally crumple it up. Does anybody need some more time? Whoever takes the longest, that's who we know to pray for. <laughs> we're all ready? So that's what we're going to do symbolically. I'm going to come down with you, and uh, we are going to cast this care onto the Lord. This is just symbolic of casting it onto Him. And um, when we do this, we're going to give a big shout, too. And uh, just a little victory shout, like doing the walls around Jericho. And uh, just a little act of faith. The biggest thing is, though, when this starts to rise up again, don't be saying to yourself, oh, I thought I gave it to God. I'm sorry I took it back up. No. Statement of faith says, when you've done it, you've done it. So even if it shows up, faith says no. And so let's just say it's smoking. And I'm um, just being categorically. But let's just say it's smoking, and you're like this, and you go to pick another one up. You don't say, oh, I should have put it on him. No, you say, thank you, Lord. I cast this onto you. That's what faith does. Even if you're in the middle You wouldn't believe how many people I've heard that quit smoking. Every time they did it, they would like feel sinful again and be like, ah. And then once they learned to say whatever they wanted to give away was, thank you, Lord, even though I'm doing this, this is not me. I've cast this onto you. This is now your responsibility, Lord, to take this off me and stay in faith. People get free. That's what faith is. You ready? All right. On the count of three, we're going to go one, two, three, go. And then we're going to have a shout. And uh, we're going to just throw it up on the altar there, wherever, however close you can get it to the altar, doesn't matter. You just get it off you. If you want to stand, you can sit, whatever you like. But we're going to do this. Is everybody ready? Okay, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, and we are taking a stand this morning in faith that we are casting the cares and the anxieties and fears and the worry of what is in our lives, and we're casting it onto you to leave it there. In the name of Jesus, we will by faith believe that you own this and you are working in our lives to make this happen. In the name of Jesus. Now I want a big shout when we do this. It's one, two, three, then go, not on three. One, two, three, go. Now that is not prophetic of snow. We're done. Ah, it just feels different just doing that, doesn't it? It's weird. It's just like good. It's off us. So good to hang out with you guys this morning. God is good, isn't he? Amen.